0: Today in the Garage, we have Daniel Brown. Daniel is among an elite group of defense lawyers certified as specialists in criminal law. Much of Daniel's legal practice is focused on representing people who are strangers to the justice system. He quite often represents successful professionals who found themselves in an unfortunate and unfamiliar circumstance. Today, we discuss the ins and outs of building a practice, building your reputation, and dealing with the media. Whether you're driving an AMG 43, playing your Seagull, or prepping a publication band, let's step into the garage, listen to the experts, and get a tune-up. Daniel, welcome and thank you for joining us here in the garage. Thanks for having me. So uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, and I think you would be the perfect individual, is I want to talk about building a practice, building professionalism, building credibility, building reputation, and as part of all that, you actually build a brand. Well, that's right. I mean, it's one of those things where you have to think about
1: these things ahead of time. Uh, a reputation doesn't happen by accident, or at least it doesn't normally happen by accident in a positive way. Uh, you really want to think about the steps that you can take along your career path to build that reputation and to help accelerate your career by building it sooner.
0: Can I can I take a step back and let's talk about building your career? Because I know prior to becoming uh, the good defense lawyer, the very cutting edge individual that you are that, you know, brings home uh, wonderful acquittals and jury trials and regular trials for your clients. Um, where, did, where did the career start? How did you get into criminal
1: law? I, it was really by accident. I, I started, I was on a totally different career path. I was supposed to be in public relations. I'd gone to school for public relations. I'd started working in public relations. And my mother one day said, uh, she had heard a friend of mine had gotten into law school and challenged me saying, well, I, I don't think you could get in. And so it was really that a push that I needed. I applied to law school. And as soon as I got into law school, I figured, well, I may as well go. But I came without really having any type of career path. I didn't know about the Bay Street jobs or criminal law jobs. I didn't have a, an identified passion other than just to prove my mother wrong. And so by the time I got to law school, I kind of fell into some things. I worked at a student clinic my first year at law school, and I really loved that. I then uh, got a summer job at a criminal defense firm. Uh, It was a great criminal firm, gave me lots of experience. And it really taught me that this is what I wanted to be doing for the rest of my life. So I started as a criminal defense lawyer, and then I had to figure out the law of criminal defense once I got there. Um, And so from there, I was always trying to think about How am I gonna bring in clients? How am I gonna make myself valuable to that firm that I was a part of? What will cause them to keep me? And um, it was at a time when the firm itself didn't even have a website. It was kind of the early days of of the web. Uh, Only a few law firms had websites. Most people were on the yellow pages and uh, drove business that way or by word of mouth. Uh, So I thought as a way that I could add value to the firm, I would help them create a website and in the meantime, uh, I created one for myself, and I thought I'll just direct whatever traffic comes in uh, to the firm. Uh, in the end, that turned out to be a really important tool, and it was one of those things that I helped to market myself uh, in those early years when it was really difficult for a young lawyer to attract clients uh, and to build a practice. Uh,
0: the communication is so important. Where, do, where, do, where does it start for a new lawyer? Like, how should they look at communication? Is it just about, you know, being on this high-profile case or is it, you know, this is how I'm going to learn to build a practice?
1: Well, I I think communication is one of those things that really has to drive every aspect of your practice. How you carry yourself in court and how you present to the judge, how you deal with the crown attorneys, uh, how you communicate is going to be Uh, a reflection of who you are and really uh, will help drive the results that you get in court. But it's also really important that when you're communicating with your clients, that you're thinking about um, communicating in that same way. How do you speak to your client in a way that your client's going to understand? I've had a financial advisor who tried to explain to me things that were just totally above my understanding level. And I didn't get value from it. And I didn't stay with that financial advisor because I just didn't understand what they were trying to tell me. Uh, and so it's not just enough for you to know your stuff, but it's important for you to communicate that to others and then to also to have a general philosophy about how you speak uh, to, to the public at large, uh, whether you're communicating through the media or some other way. For me, I always try to be balanced. Uh, it's easy to get lost as a criminal defense lawyer in this very singular focus and to only speak to one side of the coin. But there's always that other side, there's always the opposing view that I think you really need to address. And so when I'm commenting to the media, I'm trying to to be balanced and to speak to both sides of the issue, but to say why I think that the, the, the point that I'm trying to convey is the right one. Um, and that takes a lot of time and a lot of practice. And there's ways that people can approach uh, talking to the media so they don't put their foot in their mouth early on. Um, one great example is that uh, when you're communicating with the media, sometimes you can just do it by email. Uh, you don't have to off the cuff come up with a, with a comment or a, um, a sound bite to use. You can uh, try and craft that, spend a little bit of time, maybe have another person review it. Uh, so that you're you're not uh, overstating something or or inaccurately stating something, and you can write back to the the report and just say here's here's something by email, and if you need anything else, follow up with me. And that way you can control the message a little bit, and you can tailor the message in a way that's really precise in the way you want it across. I think one of the things you have to realize is that you don't get to control the media, and that no matter how much or how thoughtful you are in saying the things that you're saying, the uh, the journalist may choose to use all, some, none, or 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 take something potentially out of context. And that's the risk that you take when you're speaking with the media. Um, they have a narrative that they want to tell generally, and they're going to tell that narrative regardless of whatever your direction you're trying to push them in. And so you have to ask yourself, first of all, A, do I have the consent of my client to even answer this question? Does he want this type of attention? And if I do, what am I going to say that's going to help the situation? Quite often, uh, the, the response by most people is just simply to not, not respond. And then all it says is, here's a really bad story about uh, Daniel's client and the lawyer didn't get back to us for comments. You don't want to overstate your client's case. You're not going to say, you know, my client had nothing to do with this case when it's a self-defense case. And so you want to be careful that you understand what you're commenting on before you comment. Never just do it on the spur of the moment. There's no reporter who will uh, say to you, I need an answer right now, this second. Normally, they'll say, get back to me by the end of the day. Uh, And then you have a chance to comment uh, later to think about it. You can canvas with people, ask for help, make sure you have some good advice from from professionals around you who've been through this. But even just choosing carefully something, uh, even what we call a placeholder comment, which is that uh, you know, my client intends to defend their innocence in court and looks forward to a speedy resolution to their case. Now, it's interesting because we don't actually defend our client's innocence as criminal lawyers, but yet we say that because that's the type of thing we want to read. People don't want to read your client intends to plead not guilty. That's that's not um, as... Um, strong a comment as the my client intends to defend their innocence or my client expects to be exonerated or something like that so you just want to make sure you're, you're careful in the words you're using even when you're saying nothing you can say something um and i had an experience where i used a comment like that and actually ended up as part of the headline is uh, client to defend her innocence in hit and run case uh and that was exactly what i'd hoped for that was my best case scenario and um, there's not much more you can do with those situations. It Normally when you're defending a client, less is more unless you know you trust the reporter and you know where they're going with the story in the first place.
0: There's so much value when you can help communicate to the public what we do uh, in the criminal justice system. And there's value when you can communicate to a client what you do as a criminal lawyer. How do you build that value uh, so that you can you know, build the practice, uh, um, build your reputation, build credibility, and uh, build confidence with those that hire you?
1: Well, I think what you really need to do is ask yourself, what are you all about? Like, what is your identity as a criminal lawyer? And how are you going to give value to a client? And then figure out a way to communicate that to the client. You have to communicate that in your website, uh, in the design, in the approach. Uh, So one of the ways you can do it is really by putting yourself in the shoes of the client. I think that's a good place to start. What is the client experience like? Uh, When the client first uh, learns about you, when they go on your website, what do they see? What can they learn about you? What does your biography tell them? Uh, Is there a photograph of you on the website? I have this uh, problem uh, of looking young. And I always thought that that was something that would detract from people wanting to hire me because people don't generally want young lawyers or young looking lawyers. They want the, the, the traditional gray haired lawyer, somebody who's uh, a bit uh, experienced, who's, who's been through a lot, who's seen a lot and and uh, can, can likely help you solve that problem. But for a while, I was reluctant to put a picture up on my website because of that. I thought I'm going to detract uh, the business. But I realize that people want at least to see what they're getting. Uh, so even if you look young, well, then just recognize that. Uh, update your picture regularly. Don't have a picture from 10 years ago up on your website. Um, what does the website look like? What, what pictures are there? Uh, there's some websites where people are bent over police cars and in handcuffs. And if you're a client, is that really the type of thing you're going to want to be reminded of? uh, the, the negatives of it, the, the, the jail bars, and these aren't the, the type of things that clients really want to think about. So I try to create a website, at least that speaks to the skills that I think I can bring, uh, strategy guidance. So you'll see a maze with a path out, or you'll see uh, a chess piece, uh, the type of, uh, or a light bulb, but, you know, just things that speak to, um, why you would come to me is for strategy, for guidance, for advice, uh, I'm going to be that leader that's going to walk you through a very difficult
0: time. You know, it's interesting. I'm from that era which, you know, had a hard time even accepting that there was a thing called an email and that one day my fax machine would, ha- would become redundant. But I want to try to unpack um, for those that are just thinking about getting into criminal law or getting into practice in general, practice of law. You know, you said, who am I? How do you look at it so that you can portray to your clients who you are and the value you bring? Well,
1: who I that you have to think about the types of clients you want. Uh, do you, as a criminal lawyer, um, do I want to be doing uh, the down and dirty, the guns and gangs cases, or do I want to be representing a different type of of client? Uh, not not necessarily the white collar offenses like frauds and uh, or, but maybe uh, people that are professionals that are getting themselves into trouble. Uh, maybe that's an easier type of work. It's sure it's a lot easier to solve a domestic assault case for a professional probably than it is to solve a guns and gangs case for somebody. And so if you think about the type of cases you want, the type of clients you want, then you have to think about how you're speaking to them or marketing to them. So I'm not likely going to land a professional client by advertising all the guns and gangs cases that I've done in the past because a professional client doesn't think of themselves uh, the same way as the guns and gangs uh, uh, client does, uh, they 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 like to think of themselves as not belonging in the criminal justice system. You know, uh, I'm I'm not like everyone else, and so you have to market to that. And you have to, so that that's the type of lawyer I try to market to. I try to say I'm a lawyer for people who don't belong in the criminal justice system. You know, somebody who just got dragged in here. Um, you you're a professional. I have experience defending professionals. Uh, So let me help you through this. But also connected to that is the idea that professionals have lots of questions that they want answers. They want to know what's going to happen to them. They want to be educated. They want to be a part of the strategy. So your approach also has to deliver on that. They want a 24-hour lawyer, the type of lawyer they can access when they need it. Um, So the way I've structured my firm is that when you call the firm, you get me. I'm the person who answers the phone, not a receptionist, not an associate. I I try to make it, uh, you can get me at eight o'clock at night if you call me, you can email me on the weekend and get me. And clients appreciate that. And I think that's one of those things that I can do that can separate me from other lawyers. And I often say to the clients, hey, look, like when you need me, you're going to have me. And uh, just ask yourself whether or not other lawyers are able to deliver that same type of service. And if that's important to you, then that's part of what should go into choosing the lawyer you're hiring.
0: You know, what's interesting is uh, you say, how do I set myself apart? I know that when I began practicing in the early 1990s, I had the benefit of a friend from high school, Tony Staffieri, who actually is the CFO of Rogers now, and he's a genius. Uh, but uh, he sat down with me and he said, uh, what is the value that you bring how do you separate yourself where are you going to get your clients from Uh, what kind of work you do all the things that you're indicating and what we did at that time and this was you know back in the yellow page uh, advertising type of uh, world uh, we tried to set ourselves up by creating ourselves as a boutique criminal law firm seek out other professionals who will refer work to us potentially and we'd always keep in contact, let them know how their clients are and make sure that their clients are treated with, you know, kit gloves and, 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 and that would help uh, uh, build our reputation. At the same time, uh, I, I started to do things that you'd really do and, and I did them on minor things. I went to speak to high school students or I, I tried to get involved with the CLA. What are the things that new lawyers can do to help build their reputation and their credibility? Well, they, they can do all of those things. One, one of the biggest challenges is finding cases
1: as a young lawyer. And even if you had those cases is knowing what to do with them. So uh, mentorship is a really important thing. And mentors are really great because mentors are also the type of people that are going to have potentially extra work for the young lawyers or pieces of their own work that need help. Um, lawyers, especially criminal lawyers, are, are mostly uh, sole practitioners, they tend to operate on their own uh, and times get busy. And, and so they may only need somebody, not a full time associate, but somebody really just on an ad hoc basis, someone to come in and write a legal motion or do some research or just to come in and junior on a case. And so finding those senior lawyers that you can reach out to, make connections with, um, and you get those opportunities to be a part of their cases. I, I remember my very first summer in criminal defense, I worked for free. And I had that luxury of working for free. I really just wanted to get the experience. And I knew I was investing in myself. And the joke was the senior partner said, you know, lawyers should be paying us to do this type of work. They should be paying us to be a part of this and to get this experience. And uh, he, he wasn't wrong about that. Um, I, it's not a luxury that everyone has. But I think the idea of... Um, every time you learn a skill, it's an investment in yourself. So as long as you're learning something new, you can take some of that time that you have as a young lawyer, all that extra free time, and at least learn. And it's building that resume that you can use. So it's one of those things you can say on your website, you've worked on murder cases, or you've worked on uh, serious uh, drug or gun cases, you now have that at least uh, to your name, uh, instead of Kind of sitting by the sidelines and 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 not getting those opportunities. So not only is it a chance to make connections with senior lawyers that might deliver you work uh, separately, it's a chance to just invest in your skill sets.
0: You know uh, when you are, are going to make statements on your website, they have to be who you are, and you have to be able to convey that you're credible. So I, I know in reading some of the cases that uh, have been before the Law Society Tribunal. There are now uh, cases that are, are, involve, uh, you know, uh, advertising on the web. Um, what advice would you give to any lawyer and a young lawyer if they're preparing the website to make sure that they don't oversell themselves yeah. and are ethical? Right, and this is a big issue about uh, how you can
1: market yourself. Um, I mean, there's just some basic rules and just respecting client confidentiality. So it's one thing for you to do a big case. Uh, or to have a big win in court, and you want to post that judgment uh, that you got about that case that shows that you got the acquittal, Um, the problem is that it's also advertising the fact that your client, who maybe wants anonymity, uh, was before the courts. And so you need to make sure you have your client's consent before you can talk about any of those particular examples of cases where you've represented somebody. That's a really important thing, and you can run into a lot of trouble uh, if you don't do that. But you also need to be mindful of the type of language you use on the website, you can't advertise yourself as an aggressive lawyer. Um, you can't elevate people's um, kind of uh, expected results of you. You can't tell them, you know, you just because you won a thousand cases before, it doesn't. You can't just leave it at that. You have to say, but you know, of course, every case is unique and different, and uh, results may vary. Uh, you can't uh, claim you're an expert or a specialist in an area of law that you're not. Uh, the law society has very specific rules about who gets to be designated as specialists in criminal law or another area of practice. And you have to make sure that you're respecting that. So you can say, all I do is criminal law. My practice is restricted to criminal law, but you can't claim that you're a specialist in criminal law if you're not. Uh, You can't claim that you have a level of expertise that you don't have. So you can't claim you've done a thousand cases if you haven't. so yes, it's important to be able to market yourself and, and advertise things that you've done and accomplished, but you have to be truthful and accurate about it. Um, one other thing that sometimes I see, uh, I see lawyers that are marketing themselves for second opinions. And while it's not inappropriate to give a second opinion on a legal, legal case, it's uh, forbidden to market second opinions. So you really have to be careful about that.
0: And on a second opinion, you always have to do it in a transparent manner and the uh, other lawyer has to know. And it's and the client can't just come to you and say, oh, I want to know what this other lawyer is doing. They're going to be sent back to the lawyer and say, yeah, I'm going to get Cooper to give a second opinion. And they're going to be aware of that. And so a- again, when you're
1: when you're presenting yourself on the web, even I, I, I know that some people buy these specialized awards that they pay for. Uh, again, there's a lot of rules surrounding the use of awards and how you've uh, obtained those awards and whether they've been paid for or not or uh, you just have to be mindful about all of that because um, even though it's those are really great things that attract clients, the last thing you want to do is run into trouble with the law society over the way you're marketing yourself or your business.
0: Credibility itself is 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 not only about you know you being hired or or you uh, you being able to promote yourself, but it's also about how you act and carry on yourself in court like your reputation is stellar. So tell us how we as other lawyers can, can just follow your path. I,
1: I think it's, it, it's important to separate yourself uh, and what you're there for in, in your function there uh, and not get too caught up in the case, which is something that's easy to do. And we've all run into difficult prosecutors or difficult judges uh, or d- even difficult clients, difficult witnesses where we feel like we want to lose our cool and um, And it's a competitive thing. That it really is. I mean, it's the adversarial system. They say it's not a tea party, and uh, emotions can run high on all sides. Uh, I'm a particularly competitive person, and I usually tell my clients, like, that's one thing about me. I I like to win, Um, and I think it's what there's a difference between wanting to win and blowing out your reputation for no good reason. remember that the prosecutor you're, you're in that co- conflict or confrontation with today is the same one you're going to have to deal with next week or next month or next year. Um, it may be also uh, eventually a judge you have to preside in front of in the future. And you really have to think about Um, whether or not what you're doing in the moment in that heated moment is going to be worth it in the long run, because you don't just have an obligation to the client you're representing, but all the other clients who uh, may come along the line. So that doesn't mean that you don't call out uh, something when it's wrong, but there's a way to do it and a way to go about it. Um, You know, Blasting a, a nasty email and being disrespectful or Uh, Just pointing out to the judge just to be kind of like petty about some little slight that's happened. I mean, sometimes taking the high road is really the best way to go about it. I can tell you that was a lesson I learned the hard way Uh, as a young lawyer um, working at a criminal defense firm. Uh, we were particularly encouraged to get into conflicts with the Crown Attorney. In fact, if you didn't come back to the office with some story about a conflict you had, you probably didn't do your job according to the senior lawyers at the office. Uh, And what I realized as I was practicing that way, it it wasn't beneficial to me and it wasn't beneficial to my clients. uh, And I, I wasn't getting further ahead. And all I had was a lot of conflict on my hands. And so after a, a period of time, I decided that I was gonna practice a bit differently. I, I left that firm and started my own firm. And I started with my own philosophy, which is that you don't have to practice law that way. You can be friendly, you can have a relationship with, with the, the Crown attorneys and still not compromise anything in courts. Um, I remember one case where, as we were waiting for the jury verdict, uh, the Crown Attorney and I, we went for a drink afterwards and and, and just kind of celebrated a hard fought case. And there was nothing wrong with that. And and uh, I think the Crown Attorneys remember those types of things. They remember those moments. And uh, the next time you're back in court with them, it's just a very different experience. And you haven't given away anything and you haven't compromised your client's uh, results and you haven't done anything to harm the case. Uh, and really the practice of law is already so challenging that it's kind of nice to have some friends on the other side, uh, even uh, the ones that you get into battle with from time to time.
0: It's challenging. It's adversarial. But there's no reason why anyone would ever think that kindness is at all ever equated with weakness. And, uh, you know, uh, your preparation and your argument in a case does not vary because you're kind or you're civil, um, and so, uh, that if I, you know, can share that message over time and that was taught to me in my first year of practice, like, who do you want to be? I have seen people in court and I don't know if you've experienced this where they come in and they're upset with a clerk or they're upset with a reporter or they interrupt a judge for no a good reason, or they're rude to the police staff or, 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 you know, in getting their clients down, there's no need for it.
1: And it's one of those things that it isn't just in the moment, just with that judge, you've harmed your reputation because that judge will leave that courtroom and talk about that experience with other people, with other lawyers, with other uh, judges, with other people in the justice system. And it's one of those things that really starts to follow you around this reputation that you have, for good or for bad. Uh, And they always say, you know, a reputation takes a lifetime to build and can be destroyed in a moment. And really, it's just any one example of just really bad conduct in court can, can harm you, uh, not just in the immediate case, but uh, in the long term as well.
0: Uh, some quick questions. Uh, if you can write a book, do you write a book? I think, I think there are lots of things that we call hallmarks of
1: credibility, or at least what I'd call hallmarks of credibility. So if I'm a lawyer and I'm going to refer a client to another lawyer, what are those things that I'm looking for? Uh, are they certified as a specialist in their area of practice? That might be a hallmark of credibility I'm looking for. Uh, do they get called upon by the media to, to give interviews? That's a hallmark of credibility. Have they written a book or scholarly articles in an area? Uh, again, hallmarks of credibility. There's a whole host of them. Do they teach um, a university-level law course? Are they... Um, doing other things, uh, are they sitting on boards of directors for uh, legal organizations, the Advocate Society, the Criminal Lawyers Association, the OBA, and these are all things to me that I say, well, that kind of reflects on a person's experience and expertise uh, and the type of person who would be a good fit for this referral. And so if that's what I'm looking for as a lawyer, uh, to send cases, well, that's what the type of lawyer you want to be. You want to check off as many of those boxes as you can, but it's really hard just to go and say, "Okay, I'm going to write a book," because nobody just says, "Okay, you know, Daniel, write a book." But what they might do is you have to kind of build that reputation. So if you want to write a book, what what are the steps that you need to, to get there? What are those foundational steps? Uh, what I realized early on was, you know, I used to write articles for the uh, Criminal Lawyers Association magazine or for the OBA journal, um, or you could do something for the Advocate Society, something where you start to establish yourself in, in a bit of a niche area of practice. Uh, that may lead to an opportunity to speak at a conference on that subject. Uh, and once you speak at a conference on that subject, OK, well, maybe now you can say I'm a bit of an expert in this area. Uh, maybe somebody wants to let me write a chapter in a book or or, uh, and from there you can leverage that into a book. Sure, I mean, for me, I wrote a book on sex assault and people consider me to be an expert in the area. I, it's true, like the, the process of writing a book makes you normally an expert in that area. Uh, and there's a good reason that someone asked you to write that book in the first place. But there's also lots of experts in sexual assault law that aren't recognized like that because they haven't written a book or they don't have their name on a book title. So I just think it's one of those things There's lots of really great lawyers out there that people just don't know about because they don't do a good enough job marketing their skill sets. And
0: for young lawyers, start out in your community. That helps build your reputation. You're not doing it to advertise necessarily or not doing it at all, but, and I'd always say it's like, it's as simple as putting seven or eight items in a box. Come out with a mic, uh, have a speaker, Call a few friends from your rolodex from you know the start of my practice. Somebody who knows about sexual assaults, a crown attorney who's involved in sexual assaults. Bring them together. Bring friends together if you can. Include some alcohol, and, and you'll have a great discussion. Have local community discussions amongst the uh, your, your 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 professionals uh, at the bar, or you know uh, explain to chartered accountants and others uh, how and what you do as a lawyer. These are all things you can do. Absolutely. And even
1: uh, when you're talking just about building a network, you can, you can also look to other people that are your level of call in other types of legal areas. So uh, find an employment lawyer that you can send some cases to in the future. Find a family lawyer, um, find a real estate lawyer, a litigation lawyer. You want to have all these lawyers kind of there available to you and then make a point of sending your work to them and have them make a point of sending their work to you. Uh, you can build your, your, your network, professional network that way, uh, doing just a, a, a talk on when can the police stop and search me, uh, go to a community center, set up a community event, uh, work with local uh, organizations, uh, youth organizations to do that. Uh, it, it, these things don't, you're not doing it because you know it's going to lead to a client that night or it doesn't necessarily translate into work in the moment. But it's one of those things that over time establishes you in the community and makes you a person of authority on that area. And someone may come to you in the future and say, you you may not remember me. But uh, this I know that when I was in law school, I I had a trial advocacy class taught by uh, a litigation lawyer. And to this day, I send her work because I thought I was impressed by her when she taught me uh, in school. She seemed to know what she was talking about. She was very professional. And uh, it was a great, maybe that's why she was doing it. Maybe she did it for some other reason. But all I know is that I'm really confident to send her work because I know the type of skills she brings.
0: And it's as simple as taking that lens and saying, when I'm prepared to send somebody who I want uh, to be cared for to another lawyer, I think of certain things that cause me to believe that they will be in good hands. All you want to do is reverse that and that becomes you.
1: Yeah, and that's right. And, and I think you have to think about then what the overall picture is. So when you're building your website, uh, when you're building your brand, are you building a professional brand? I, I've seen so many times uh, somebody will have a, a LinkedIn profile and they won't even have a picture of themselves on it. And I think that's a lost opportunity. Um, it's just a chance that you can market yourself. Or even worse, they have a, a picture of them uh, out at the bar with a couple of friends and they're holding a beer in their hand. And I just think, well, that's not the right picture for this type of profile. It's, you know, that's something that belongs in a different type of social media site. So it's about just understanding your audience and speaking to your audience. Who's the audience that's coming to check you out on LinkedIn? Uh, even asking yourself, like, um, when people um, email me, are they emailing a branded Uh, domain name, or are they emailing your Hotmail account? And if they are emailing your Hotmail account as a professional lawyer, what what does that say? Does it speak to a level of professionalism? Uh, Even though it's that email address that everyone knows you by,
0: uh, it may be one of those things that's
1: detracting from your
0: reputation or your credibility. If I were to ask you to give some help to young lawyers, uh, for example, if you'd say, hey, think about these questions to ask yourself as to who you are who you want to be as a lawyer, how do I build my reputation? How do I build uh, uh, my confidence with clients? How do I build my relationship with clients? What kind of things would you uh, be suggesting to them to look inward at?
1: Sure. Well, I think one of the challenges that young lawyers have is they they don't have a name recognition yet. Uh, The worst thing that uh, uh, someone could say is, I've never heard of your lawyer. I mean, that, that gives a client panic attacks because they think, oh, well, have I chosen the right person or the wrong person? And so even just getting your name out there is a really important start for, for a lawyer. Well, how, how does a lawyer who doesn't have a reputation get their name out there? Well, there's lots of really free avenues to do that. Social media is a really easy way to market yourself. First, you can build a website and build a website that's speaking to the types of problems your clients are likely going to have. So when people come to my website just today, somebody said, your website was such a great resource for me. I learned all about uh, sexual assaults and what happens when someone's charged with with a, a criminal charge and how they go through the bail process. And so thank you for that. And you seem like you know what you're talking about. And just that a person who's never met me before doesn't know me, my reputation from any other source other than what I've put out there on the internet now believes that I'm a person who's credible to talk to and and potentially to hire for their case uh, because of the information I've chosen to share. But sharing all this information, it kind of sits there in a vacuum unless you have a way to get it out. And so having a social media profile, there's lots of people on Twitter, uh, lots of lawyers on Twitter. Uh, Lawyers tend to follow other lawyers. Uh, The media is there on Twitter. They're following lawyers and looking for story ideas. Uh, Other criminal lawyers or other lawyers in your field are there to follow you. And it's really one of those opportunities where you can be professional and you can talk about whatever niche part of your practice that interests you. If you want to represent uh, young offenders, well, post articles that deal with that. If you want to be an appeal lawyer, post uh, articles that talk about some of the appeal cases that are coming down. There's some really young lawyers that do such a great job in that, and they establish themselves as as an expert in this particular area of practice. And I can tell you it works, and it works in in a very subtle way because there are lawyers that I have never met in person Uh, that I only know uh, through Twitter, that I feel like I know. And I feel like I understand who they are as people. I feel like I understand the type of law they practice. Uh, I would feel confident sending them work. And I remember uh, uh, there was two things that came from this. One is that someone said to me, do I know a lawyer, a criminal lawyer in Vancouver? And I did. Um, I knew this really great one that I followed, and he's always posting really interesting things. And when I tried to refer him, Uh, work. I couldn't remember his name. All I knew was his Twitter handle, which was something like Van City Lawyer. And I thought to myself, two things. Number one, Twitter really works because here I have this trust and confidence to send a case to someone in BC who I've never actually met, who I only know online. But number two, it was kind of a missed opportunity there. And so I had a different Twitter handle and I changed it to Daniel Brown Law. And I thought, well, if people are gonna see my Twitter handle all the time, it may as well be not just something about the jurisdiction I practice in, but an opportunity for me to brand myself and for people to recognize my name. And when you're posting, it's it's one of these passive ways of advertising yourself and your services and your experience. But you have to be really mindful of what you're posting online. The, you have to remember you're a professional and you can't cross that line. You can be personal at times. But it isn't your personal account. If you're using this in a professional capacity, keep a separate account that, that's your personal account where you can say dumb things and make sure that's a locked and private account that only a few people can see. Uh, there's lots of really terrible examples of people tweeting out things that they didn't put a lot of thought into, which were offensive, which were racist, which were homophobic, which were um, the type of thing you wouldn't want to, to make your public persona and that really harm your reputations. Uh, what also can happen is that uh, you can really just burn your reputation very quickly. You could say something that's inaccurate that harms you, um, or you can start to engage with the trolls on the internet that want to bring you down. And I think all of that can harm your credibility when you're engaging in that. So, social media tools are really great, they're really powerful, they're totally free, and they only take up a few minutes of your day. And if you do it right, uh, you can really start to build that following. And those types of things, posting on social media, can even lead to opportunities to comment in the media. I saw a law student the other day who was uh, talking about a story in the newspaper um, about someone who received the Order of Canada that he thought didn't deserve it. And the next day he was quoted in a Toronto Star article. And it's, it can happen that easily that just simply some passive comment that's thoughtful on, on the internet can, can lead to an opportunity for you to be uh, considered an expert uh, commentating on it the following day.
0: I can only imagine some young lawyer who maybe has a desire to do jury trials, but, you know, starts to follow the law on anything that is before the appeal courts of the Supreme Court of Canada dealing with issues at a jury trial, whether it's a challenge for cause or if it's reasonable doubt, and then posting your own, you know, very short op-ed on it. It's going to be picked up at some point, and your reputation is going to become stellar. And that's right.
1: And and op-eds, maybe you're not necessarily going to write an op-ed that gets published in the Globe and Mail or the Toronto Star right away. But there are lots of uh, legal magazines or legal newspapers that will print. Uh, the Law Times, The Lawyers Daily are constantly looking for people to contribute to them. And even young law- lawyers or law students uh, can get published that way. And again, that's an opportunity to market, uh, creating a blog uh, that people can, can read. Uh, not only does it drive traffic to your website, because once people learn about that particular thing, they start to uh, kind of browse and, and see what else you're about. Um, doing a podcast like this is a really great way to advertise yourself. Um, writing for uh, organizations or even just um, sometimes pe- uh, organizations, crim- uh, legal organizations like the Criminal Lawyers Association has a, a, a legal listserv and people will ask questions. And Simply answering a question thoroughly on the listserv can, can signal, A, you know what you're talking about, and B, maybe uh, you're the type of person who can help with a case in the future, or uh, should be referred a case in the future. And especially if you're an appeal lawyer, be mindful of the fact that really probably your client base is coming from other lawyers in your area of practice. So go as an appeal lawyer, go, go meet a whole bunch of trial lawyers uh, be, and let them know what you're up to and let them know about your successes or, or how you can um, help build an appeal. And that way uh, you can help build your name and your, your identity early on. Because if people don't know what you're about, you're not going to be asked to participate in conferences and these other, uh, or teaching or lecturing or all these things that we we look at as kind of these signals of credibility. Um, but if you start all those things early, even in those small foundational building blocks, you can really start to accelerate that uh, building of your reputation and building of your brand as early as possible.
0: A few final thoughts, sage advice that you could give to young lawyers.
1: Is ask for help. Um, I can tell you that people call me all the time because someone has reached out to them. Uh, the media w- wants a comment or they're not sure what to say, or somebody is uh, struggling with uh, how they can launch their, their criminal law practice or where they can find work. Uh, I always take the time uh, to, to meet with people. I'll, I'll do, a, a, these days, a virtual coffee with them. Um, we'll, we'll talk about these various issues, and I'm happy to give my time and my expertise. What I think you have to realize is that there's not one way to build your practice. Um, What works for me may not work for you. And uh, the idea is you don't just try one thing. You try many, many things. The shotgun approach is a really great way. Uh, As long as you're consistent in in the various ways you're reaching out and and trying to build your practice, build up your website, build up your social media profile, uh, build up those community um, relationships, build up those legal relationships, um, find people in other areas of practice that you can uh, build up together. Uh, Those are all the types of things you wanna do, but ask for help along the way because there's lots of more senior lawyers who themselves were asking for help when we were young lawyers. I asked lots of people for help. I still have mentors uh, that I rely on to help me through difficult cases, um, and you're not in it alone. And it's a, a really great community to be a part of, and there's lots of people who are willing to help. That's excellent.
0: Uh, if anyone wants to find Daniel Brown, how do we find you? Uh, you can uh,
1: uh, email me, brown, at danielbrownlaw.ca. I promise I'll, I'll get back to you.
0: Okay. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. A shout out to our fantastic producers, Xenia Sethna, and Jason Cooper. For more free legal education and to check out what we've been doing for the past 10 years, go to thelawgarage.com. That is thelawgarage.com.